Jody Vanson for Jill Bennett. Glad to have you along today. Our conversation next will slip into an area of wellness that I think many people maybe suffer from without even knowing it, especially after the last couple of years. I don't know about you, but it has been a long time since I've had the full panel of blood work and as the daughter of a lab technician, uh, for me to not have that on a regular basis is really saying something because mom was like, check your meds, check your blood. Um, And being somebody who has suffered anemia my entire life, this story really peaked for me because anemia can have a lot of repercussions that maybe you don't align with how you're blood work might be, you might write it off as other things. So really pleased to bring on board Dr. Adam Davidson, emergency physician at Lionsgate Hospital and a clinical assistant professor in the University of British Columbia Faculty of Medicine. Dr. Davidson, thank you so much for being with us. Hi there, Jody. Thanks so much for having me. You were one of the people who were the push I needed to actually get to Life Labs and get my blood work done because let's start with how we met. Uh, you you are part of a team of people who are trying to uh, forward the awareness piece on um, outpatient IV therapy with a, f- a particular focus on intravenous iron treatment. So just give a, a little bit of the Coles notes for our listener on, on what that is and, and why some people need it. Sure, yeah. So iron deficiency and iron deficiency anemia, while part of the same, the same sort of spectrum, are, are sort of separate things. And as an emergency physician, one of the the things that you get to see is is you're, you're often the first to see what's what's breaking in in the healthcare system because emerges where people go when when they're desperate when they don't have any other options and what myself and my colleagues were noting were more and more people coming to the emergency department uh, trying to get uh, IV iron therapy because the waits to get into the medical daycares in the hospitals were so long and normally sort of iron and iron metabolism it's not typically in the field of emergency medicine, but uh, it, it, it took me by surprise and, and made me question, well, how, how common is this? This is crazy. And uh, through a couple of personal connections and just looking into it myself, I started to realize just how epidemic this is, in particular among, among women out there. Yeah, it's not something we often talk about, and yet so many of us have suffered with this. And, and I always use it because I found out that I was anemic rather randomly, I was going to donate blood. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a needle phobe. I want to help. I want to give back. I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm healthy. I can do this. And they're like, sorry, you can't. And I was like, what? Yeah. wait, what? Well, and then started and, and, to do due diligence and figured out that a bunch of the stuff that does make me struggle a bit is associated with my anemia. So you're helping me. And, and your, yeah. And your story is a, is a classic one. And for, for many women out there, again, this is a predominantly female issue, they, they don't know they're anemic um, until something like that, that event sort of happens. And they've, they've likely been living with it for a very long time. And frankly, it's a testament to how tough you are, that, that you function as highly as you do, all things considered. But your story is a very common one. And ironically, it's, it's a test that's very easy to do. It costs sort of pennies on the dollar compared to other medical tests that we do. And, and I, one of the things that myself and others in this field are pushing for is to, is to start screening for this more, frankly, especially in women who have gone through puberty and before uh, who are premenopausal. Yeah. So 
when it comes to having this deficiency or having anemia, what are some of the things that can be attributed to that? What are some of the symptoms of this that might be written off as other things? For sure. Yeah. And so again, one of the common misconceptions is that iron deficiency and anemia are the same thing. And while they're related, like I said, they're different. And so um, typically what happens first is, is your body's, the iron stores start to deplete. And as they get low enough, you, you start to develop symptoms of iron deficiency alone. And this happens before typically you become anemic. And and these symptoms are quite non-specific, but by far the most common is a, is fatigue. And we're not talking a, a shortness of breath when you're going upstairs or with or with exercise, but just that three o'clock, four o'clock hits and you're exhausted. You know, you'd love to go to the gym or you'd love to do other stuff after work, but you just can't. All you want to do is lie down on the couch, and that's by far the most the most common symptom. But we also need iron to do uh, a, a whole lot of other reactions in our body. And one of the ones that people don't often know is that you, you need iron to create uh, serotonin and dopamine. So these are the two heavy hitters of our neurochemistry in the brain. In the brain. And so when you get low on iron, this can exacerbate symptoms of, of mood. So anxiety symptoms, depressive symptoms, and and while this may not be the, the primary cause, it certainly can, can magnify the effects or affect your ability to respond to treatment. So, so mood can be affected. People often describe a, an iron fog, so concentration can be difficult. Um, sleep quality as well, so, so restless legs at nighttime is a common symptom of low iron. And so this can disrupt your sleep. So there's a whole, whole uh, swath of sort of non-specific but common symptoms that are related to iron deficiency. And then once you tip over into true anemia, that's when you can start to feel dizzy when you stand up, uh, short of breath going, doing small amounts of exercise, um, getting pa- uh, becoming quite pale, et cetera. Those are sort of the more classic symptoms that, that people think of with anemia. So when it comes to anemia, can it be Again, dangerous if untreated long-term? It certainly, it certainly can, for sure. And, and part, of, part of it depends on how quickly you become anemic. So, for example, if I was to be in a car accident and had a, a major hemorrhage, well, I'm going to become anemic within a matter of hours, and that right. puts a huge amount of stress on the body. But for, for most uh, women with iron deficiency or, or, or men with iron deficiency anemia, this is something that's happened over uh, months, if not longer. And so the body it, it has an amazing ability to adjust up to a certain point. And, and because we need the hemoglobin to carry oxygen, if you've got a heart condition or lung issues where getting oxygen is tough to begin with, then having a, a low red blood cell count can, can become dangerous for sure. And it's something that needs to be, needs to be watched. I'm Jody Vanson for Jill Bennett. We're continuing our conversation with Dr. Adam Davidson, emergency physician at Lionsgate Hospital and a clinical assistant prof at the University of British Columbia Faculty of Medicine and also uh, has a, a clinic called Mainline Wellness. It's uh, healthcare practitioners, safe, comfortable, convenient, rapid access to specialized outpatient services. Um, you you're putting forward here, you and I had a, an, a conversation about this, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on here is because it, it just makes so much sense to me. Um, I'll call you Adam now. I've been calling you Dr. Davidson, but I have no, called you. <laughs> I think I will. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I was so formal there for a second, but it's like, Adam, you've changed my, the way I'm thinking about this. Because 
so much conversation right now, certainly about wait times and and also concerns over privatized medicine and and what you're proposing here with mainline wellness is is sort of the the marriage of the two that that makes sure there's access for all. Can you give an idea of what your proposal includes here with regard to um, iron infusion at, at the very root? Sure, sure. And and so certainly, again, in the ER, especially over these last couple of years, you can imagine so many of my interactions with patients have been very frustrating, especially for the patients, but for me as well, because they've got these issues and they're they're desperate and they're they don't know where to go and you feel like you can't do anything about it and and this is this was something that I thought you know I I actually can do something about this this is this is in my wheelhouse and so we started the clinic with the idea of offering uh, rapid access for for patients to to get IV iron therapy and and accepting referrals from specialists and GPs and and the problem is, as you mentioned, at the moment anyways, this is a, it is a private service where it has to be covered by either insurance or, or out-of-pocket, and that's not ideal. I'm, not, um, I'm a big fan of public health care, and what I'm hoping to show with, with our clinic and, and what we've been able to achieve is that we, we can be an option to help offload the, the current backlogs in our hospitals because the, the, the medical daycare where these outpatient infusions are done, they're slammed, and, and iron is only a small part of what they have to have to do. They do blood products, antibiotics, uh, biologic medicines, even chemotherapy in some hospitals. And, and so iron is, is not a, a huge priority, and yet, right. as we talked about before, it's such a, it's such a, a massive deal for, for a huge part of our population. And so I, our, what we're hoping down the road at some point is that we can say, hey, listen, we'll take care of your iron for you. Let us do this. This is, our, this is what we do and free up your space and your chairs to do the things that can only be done in hospitals. And therein lies the piece that I thought was just brilliant because you could just continue doing what you're doing and, and, and for those who have it covered or out of pocket and, and sort of be that boutique for those who can. Or you can go to the province of British Columbia or even on a larger scale and say, hey, if you're going to make this available and have it be covered, why can't we take some of that backlog for you so that the wait time to get this infusion for somebody who is feeling exhausted, maybe feeling anxious, maybe feeling blue, maybe not sleeping, maybe all of the restless leg syndrome, all of the things that you were talking about. And, and perhaps we can help those people in a way that it's covered by by medical, like by our socialized medicine, that, that it would be covered in that clinic with a four-month wait, but could be taken care of in mainline wellness sooner and perhaps keep those people from coming into the emergency saying, something's wrong with me, doctor. I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm out of breath. I can't do, you know, or I'm anxious. I'm doing all of, all of those symptoms coming to a head. It just seems, it seems very commonsensical, Adam. It is. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm not a politician and I, and I don't know the complexities of course of, of, of the whole provincial healthcare, but it does to me seem like some low hanging fruit where uh, a common issue can be addressed a lot more efficiently and universally than it is currently. Um, We we just finished this project with, um, where we solicited volunteers to, to help sort of voice their experiences trying to navigate the system and trying to access iron 
to try and see what barriers they came up with because I, I can I can see what I've seen in Emerge and I can read I know what the textbooks say but I, as a male I've never experienced this and so we had uh, a, a wonderful group of volunteers come and describe their barriers over the years trying to get IV iron and I I frankly think uh, that yeah that there's some 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 quick quick ways to to make this more available to people and wouldn't that be helpful to the greater good, particularly, and I'm going to speak on behalf of women right now. There are so many women who just keep moving forward, no matter what they might be dealing with health wise. And we are very proactive on so many levels when it comes to, you know, taking care of mammograms and pap smears and all of the things that, that women, you know, have to keep up on. And yet when we're feeling completely exhausted, we're like, well, this just comes with it. This just comes with the territory. Mm -hmm. There is a way to get some help for that. And like you said, back to what we were speaking of in the very beginning, it begins with a simple test, right? Checking that Mm -hmm. box on the requisition that then gives you a perspective on what you can or cannot fix. You know, maybe you do have disrupted sleep cycles because you're drinking too much coffee, or you might have (laughs) issues that could be taken care of with an infusion. So I think that's a big part of this conversation is that wellness piece that, that being proactive about those testing. And and you, like I said, you, you pushed me that little bit because I was interested in this as somebody who struggled in the iron department uh, for a long, for my whole life. Um, and and getting the good news from you, where you're like, no, you're not a candidate. <laughs> I was like, great. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was nice to tell you about your your boring blood work. I, I love that. I, yeah. and, and I, I think that. you, it, it, it's there's this common misconception that if you're not anemic, then having low iron shouldn't shouldn't be affecting you, and and mm. that's completely uh, completely untrue. And oftentimes we don't go looking at at iron levels, which typically is done through a test called a ferritin until, until you see that somebody's anemic and, and often by that time they've been iron deficient for months, if not years. And yeah. somebody like yourself, you, you were proactive, your physician was proactive and you got on oral supplements early and you were able to correct it because you picked it up. You picked it up. And, and again, like I said, it's given, given how relatively cheap this test is, I, I really feel it should be something that should be screened for earlier, especially in women. And I got to tell you, taking those supplements, the Ferramax supplements that I take with a vitamin C on mm-hmm. uh, with my breakfast helps immensely. The energy level through the roof. Loved it. Thank you so much, Dr. Davidson. Where do people find out more about uh, mainline, mainline wellness? wellness. Mainlinewellness.ca is the, is the website and we'll hopefully get our, our research project up there shortly for people to have a look at. And I really appreciate you giving me the time to speak about it. Thank you so much. 